welcome to the Sober Twin Cities podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to sharing stories of sobriety and recovery from addiction right here in the Twin Cities. My name is Dustin Lee. I am your host, and thank you so much for taking the time to click on today's episode. In just a little bit, I'm going to walk you through kind of what led me to my decision to quit drinking and, of course, to seek out treatment. But before we get into that, for those of you who are new to the show, I wanted to quickly revisit, you know, why it is that I'm doing the podcast. As I've said before, I'm absolutely in no way an expert. I don't have all the answers. But what I do bring to the table here is experience. I got sober on April 7th of 2023, and I spent four months in outpatient treatment following that, which really helped guide my sobriety journey and kind of get me started off on the right foot. So far on the show, I have and I will continue to talk about what addiction looked like for me and I guess what it looks like for me still And who knows, maybe your story is similar, but likely it's not even close. And that's because addiction and recovery look different for everybody. And as part of my recovery and my ongoing commitment to sobriety, I decided to start this podcast. My hope is that by sharing my story and the stories of others in the Twin Cities, it might help somebody who needs some support or somebody who has some questions. I recognize how hard it is to realize that you have a problem or to realize that you need some help, let alone going out and asking for it. You know, originally my plan was to go through treatment and not tell a soul. And I really think that I could have done that successfully, but it didn't take long after I started the process that I really became comfortable with my decision. Once I started to understand addiction and how addiction was affecting me personally, I wanted to know more. I wanted to talk about it more. And finally, I really wanted to share what I was learning. But the thing is, is that I'm still learning. I consider myself to be a student of recovery. And I'll always be open to new information and stories. That's why I read so much. I want to gather as much information as I can and continue on this recovery path. As a musician and a guitar player, I heard a comment one time that really stuck with me. Uh, It went something like this. The best guitar player in the world and the worst guitar player in the world could be sitting down in a room to play together. And during that time... Each one of them is going to learn something from the other player. Big or small, it doesn't matter because both of these individuals are doing things their own way, just a little bit different, a way that the other person didn't even think of. And I believe that's true in recovery as well. Talk to your peers and ask them, what are you doing to stay sober? I'm certain that you're going to learn from each other because recovery is about honesty And for me, that's being honest with myself and those around me. So speaking of honesty, let's get to the real reason that we're here today. If you've been listening to the show so far, you know that I started drinking during my senior year of high school. As I mentioned, a pretty typical start, which led me through college, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. It was really after college when I kept up this steady routine of beer and tequila And this was primarily while I was playing in a pretty popular cover band down in Southeast Iowa. 
I drank beer at every show. Or what I really should say is that I drank many beers at every show. And I'll even go out on a limb here and say that I likely did at least one or two shots at every show. But the key words there, at least. I'm sure I skipped a few here and there, but it couldn't have been many. And I'm sure there were more as well. But the crown jewel of my achievements was the time that I drank pretty much all day. The band was getting ready for a show in northern Iowa, so we had some travel time. So let's just say I started drinking beer at noon. The show doesn't start until 9, and we're the first band to go on. So between now and then, we check into the hotel, we have some beers, we head over to the venue for sound check, have some more beers, and throughout the entirety of the day, I was able to squeeze in somewhere in the ballpark of, let's just call it 12 shots of tequila. So after all the bands are done and we're loading our gear out, I agree to the request of giving someone a piggyback ride. So how do you think that ended? I am six feet tall, and when your face travels six feet to the floor, something bad is going to happen. I sliced open my bottom lip. I messed up my jaw. I had to get my four front teeth extracted. I had two root canals on my bottom teeth. I had a bridge installed to replace my missing front teeth. I had at least two gum surgeries. I got to visit the Mason City, Iowa emergency room in the middle of the night and then drive all the way back to Southeast Iowa to get checked out at my local hospital. I mean, that right there is enough to make anybody stop drinking, but not me. So now let's skip ahead to my late 20s, maybe early 30s, when I discovered gin. I remember it vividly. A friend of mine brings over some gin one night, and we mixed up G&Ts. Then we mixed up some more. And just like that, it was pretty much just the start of another era. Gin was a completely different buzz for me, and I should say a completely different hangover as well. But I loved gin. So much so that when I was living in Milwaukee, I was drinking three or four a night, four to five nights a week. I worked late. And I would come home every night, work on music, and drink. And I'm not talking about your standard two-ounce pour of gin. It was more like 50% gin, 50% tonic. And that 50-50 version is what later became known by my friends as the Dustin Pour. And this was all around the time when I was in the studio recording my first record. On those nights, I would bring a bottle of gin, some tonic, some lime, and I would just mix drinks for the entire session, which was probably half a bottle in most cases. And it was also in Milwaukee where I was introduced to the craft beer world, and this was all new to me. But almost every time I hung out with friends in Milwaukee, somebody would show up with a curated 12-pack and they would... Describe each beer before you drank it, kind of like it was wine. I mean, my mind was blown. There was a whole untapped, pun intended, world out there. You mean there's more than one type of IPA? I mean, I was all in. So when I made the move to Minneapolis, I basically just turned it up to 11. I mean, my gin consumption was still at an all-time high, and the options for craft brews in the Twin Cities were practically endless. And this was my norm. And that was really up until about the time I started dating my wife, Carrie, who you heard share a little bit of our story in episode three. And if you did hear that one, don't worry, she'll be back. Uh, she's got a lot more to say, trust me. 
And what I've talked about so far today is just scratching the surface. The stories go on and on, and I have so many more that I could share, and I will at some point. But for now, what I want to focus more on is the last couple of years and then the months that led up to quitting and going to treatment. When I think back, if I remember correctly, it was somewhere around the summer of 2021 that I actually made my first legitimate attempt to regulate my habit. I would get into a pretty heavy routine of overindulging or going on a bender, if that's what you call it, and then it would all suddenly come to a halt. And like Carrie and I talked about in the last episode, that's when she and I would create some sort of a ridiculous plan, and I'll say ridiculous because I was primarily the one coming up with it, but it was a plan that I actually thought I could follow and never did. And after I would bail on the moderation plan, I would come back even more aggressively drinking. And something that I learned in treatment is that even when you make an attempt to stop, the rate at which you consume continues to increase. Sounds confusing, but it makes a lot of sense to me now. So even when you're not drinking, your consumption rate is going up. So I like to think about that in terms of different types of weather. So originally my alcohol consumption had me just kind of sitting in a dark cloud. Then it would get to a point where I thought I should take a break for like a month, like do one of these dry Januaries or whatever they're called, something like that. But when I would start drinking again, that dark cloud was suddenly a rain cloud or maybe like a steady shower. When I take a break this time or even try to moderate, it's not long before I'm off my plan and back at it again, but now it's a full-on thunderstorm. I'm drinking way more frequently, greater quantity, needing more time to recover, all of those things. So rather than recognize the problem at this point, nope, let's try another moderation plan. More guidelines, more rules, more things for me not to pay attention to. So now when I fault on this plan, I come back and I'm a full-blown tornado kind of spinning out of control at this point. And you might be wondering what spinning out of control looked like for me, because the definition there can obviously vary, but mine kind of went like this. My usual nighttime routine was having a couple of beers or a couple of healthy pours of box wine. However, when I would run out of wine, I would think to myself, what else do we have? Oh, vodka. We've always got vodka. We like to drink Bloody Marys. I wonder how some vodka on ice would be. So then it turns into a couple of beers, glass or two of vodka. But when you're drinking something that's in a clear bottle, it's pretty easy to notice when the level in the bottle fluctuates, right? Or when it's almost gone. Unlike with the wine box, besides just lifting it up to check the weight, it's pretty hard to tell. So my next great idea was just to replace what I had drank out of the normal supply, but then get my own supply and keep it in a secret spot in the garage. But the problem then becomes the bank statement. So at this point, I'm making some pretty consistent trips to the liquor store and I need to figure out a way to disguise it. So I started switching it up between the liquor stores at Target, Lunds, and Fresh Time. You know, these are grocery stores, so that should make it a little bit harder to prove that it's booze and not just some other grocery or essential that we need. So here comes February. I decide to take a month off. Pretty easy thing to do because I knew it was just a month and in March, I can drink again. So when that time came, I drank again. This time, beer, whiskey, vodka, wine. I was interested in everything, you name it. And when you're hitting it that hard, things just 
really start to get a little bit blurry, and by now you can probably see what I mean about spinning out of control. All of this thought and strategy just to make sure I could have some drinks. That really should have been a sign that there was a problem. And it was a sign, but I just chose to ignore it. But when more and more things started to happen, it just got hard to ignore. And I did start to recognize that things needed to change. And it was even the little things too. When I look back, I realized the universe was telling me to get control of myself before things got any worse. Here's another quick example. It was late last winter, probably like the last snowstorm of the season. I was headed out to blow snow off the driveway. Nobody was home. So I thought, oh, perfect time. I'll run over to the liquor store so I can restock what I had secretly drank over the last few days. So I run into the store, grab a 12 pack, head back out to my truck. It won't start. For whatever reason, there was some sort of an anti-theft error popping up, and it basically was keeping me from going anywhere. I tried to reset the ignition, you know, open the doors, give it five minutes, but it still wouldn't turn over. So here I am, sitting in my truck, I got a 12-pack in the back, and I'm trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to figure this one out. I'm trying to process the idea that I'm going to have to call Carrie for a ride, and then the gig's up. I mean, I am sweating. I'm freaking out. I try the key one more time and oh my gosh, it starts. So I hustle home. I get back to work like nothing happened. Again, another sign that I was pressing my luck. I almost feel like I was subconsciously pushing the boundaries just to see what I could get away with. But Carrie was hip to the whole thing and it wasn't long before we decided that it was time to head to treatment. Ultimately, if I didn't stop, it was going to get worse. And just like everyone, I've got a lot to lose. If you've tuned into the previous shows, you, you know that I've talked about how getting sober isn't just about quitting drinking. It's much, much more than that. One of the greatest gifts of treatment for me was, you know, going through the process of self-analysis and self-inventory. I loved working through that. It really helped me learn things about myself that I was completely unaware of. I had to learn to let go of my ego and kind of get out of my own way. I had to start being honest with myself and others. I realized that the only thing holding me back was fear. And as it turns out, honesty, openness, and willingness are in no way a sign of weakness, but more a sign of strength. I've been hanging out in that gray cloud for so many years that I really still don't know what I'm fully capable of. Now... I don't think that everyone needs treatment, but I did. And so far, it has worked for me. If you think you need to stop drinking or using, whatever route it is that you choose, that's entirely up to you. Like I said, everybody's recovery looks different, and the things that work for me may not work for the next person. Go to treatment or don't. Go to meetings or don't. But I wasn't able to successfully quit without help and without the help of treatment. And believe me, I tried. The way I look at addiction is that it's an illness, and I think that it needs to be treated as such. I didn't intentionally set out to drink just enough so that I got addicted. I was just following the social norms and was doing what most of the people in my circle were doing. But my brain is different than yours, and it won't allow me to drink alcohol recreationally. I'm not satisfied with one or two because my brain is already focused on three and four. And since that's what my mind was doing... It got to a point where I wasn't enjoying the experience of the moment. I was fixated on the drink 
making sure I had one, and then working on my plan to get another. The other day I was playing golf with a friend and he asked me if I ever had thoughts of having a beer or just swinging by the liquor store, you know, basically just saying, ah, who cares? And that's really a great question because I do think about that a lot. But the more I learn about addiction, my brain, and what life is like without alcohol, I don't want to go back. And there have been times that I've questioned, you know, my decision to go to treatment and my decision to get sober. I think to myself, was I really that bad? Maybe it didn't appear that way to you. But when I think back to the way I was living my life and the poor choices that I've made over the years, it becomes clear that yes, this was the right decision. I feel better now than I have felt in years, both mentally and physically. No hangovers means more morning workouts and bike rides. Two things right there that'll give you the same rush as booze. But again, I'm feeling better than ever and super grateful. And I think that is about what I've got on my mind for today. But before we wrap, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. I have a website. It's called SoberTwinCitiesPodcast.com. There you'll find some resources as far as treatment centers, meetings, and even some of the books I've been reading. But there's so much more out there that I don't know about. I would love for you to share. And that's any of the things I just mentioned or even events you'd like to promote. So feel free to reach out to me using the contact page or you can shoot me an email. That address is SoberTwinCitiesPodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at SoberTwinCitiesPodcast. And don't forget that you can listen to the show on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening today and for the amazing support you've shown me and the show so far. And please don't hesitate to share with a friend. So with gratitude, we'll see you next time on the Sober Twin Cities Podcast. Podcast.